Good morning, Happy Valley, and welcome back to another edition, edition, geez, early morning today for me, uh, edition of the Happy, Good Morning Happy Valley podcast on the Happy Valley Insider uh, website, happyvalleyinsider.com, aka pennstate.rivals.com. That was a mouthful. Um, joined once again by Dylan Callan and Carly. Dylan, it's been a little bit since I've talked to you. We had a lot of wrestling content, but we're back to football, even though yep. it's a bye week. <laughs> Yeah, back to football. You know, yeah, it is a bye week, which is a, a little bit of a quiet week here in Happy Valley. We still had practice yesterday. God, some things go over there. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a nice little breather here as we hit the uh, midway mark, basically. And then, because um, from here on out, it's uh, Ben State's got a, a little bit of a tough schedule. Obviously, has UMass next week, which should be a, a bit of an easy, <laughs> easy win. But Ohio State, Maryland, uh, Michigan, all in the next uh, seven games for Penn State. Uh, so that should be an interesting next uh, month and a half. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So now before we get into uh, what Franklin said, the injury report or latest injury report, um, just yeah. talking about practice, uh, What, in your personal opinion, what are some of the main things they have to work on? I know we, we know what they worked on. It's clearly offense, but what is your uh, main opinion? Of they have to work on this bye week before UMass next week. Yeah, I think what they really have to work on here is just finding those explosive plays. I mean, uh, we talked about it in a text conversation yesterday. Um, Penn State is uh, tied for second to last in the country this season in plays of 20 yards or more. They have just 12 on the season. Mm -hmm. That's not going to cut it against the likes of Michigan, Ohio State, and even Maryland. This Maryland team, I I keep telling people, do not overlook this is a – decently good uh not even decently good this is a very much improved maryland team from the last few years and i think this is a team that can uh, definitely give any of the top three in the big 10 east a game any given week so penn mm-hmm. state's going to need those explosive plays uh to start being hit upon over the next few weeks they've been working on that in practice we heard mike gersitz kind of mention a somewhat I wouldn't say concern, but acknowledge that that has to be something that gets going. So I definitely think the explosive plays are something that we will have to watch closely in you against UMass and then, of course, against Ohio State. Of course. So now um, that moving on, let's talk about the injury report. Um, last weekend, we saw J.B. Nelson go down. But before the season, we saw Landon Tangwell medically retire. It seems yeah. like that guard spot is kind of just cursed at this point. Um, do we have an update on J.B. Nelson? Uh, J.B. Nelson was not uh, seen, at least in the media portion of practice on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do know is James Franklin gave his uh, typical, uh, I'm not going to discuss injuries unless their season ending. So as of right now, we know that J.B. Nelson is not out for the season. But, I mean, last year we saw, about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, uh, we saw Olu Fashionu go down with a foot injury. And he would never play again last season. So we'll see what happens with J.B. Nelson the rest of the way this season. But as of right now, it sounds like they expect him to return at some point, whether that is Mm -hmm. against UMass or against Ohio State in two weeks remains to be seen. But as of right now, it's not not bad news, but there's not good news on that front either right now. Of course. And I'm assuming the safe assumption is just Vega is going to step up and just be that guard spot. Yeah, I think that's a a pretty safe assumption. He's been – Solid when he's been on the field this year, and they're going to have if he mm-hmm. is need if JB is out against Ohio State, they'll need Vega to step up into that spot and deliver a very uh, strong performance. Yeah, my my big question mark is kind of 
Obviously, Vegas young. He's still learning, but he, yeah. he did seem pretty good so far this season. But my my big question sure. mark is what happens. Knock on wood. God forbid. Who's the backup? Yeah, yeah. If if Vega goes down, Penn State is in a very you know tough situation about where they're going to go at that guard position. Beyond that, uh, because mm-hmm. they're, they're really they have some solid depth there, but after that, it really is a question mark. Do you uh, slide? You know. Nick Dawkins out to guard. Are you mm-hmm. willing to trust somebody like an Anthony Donka uh, at go, at the guard spot as a true freshman? There's a lot of questions of there. Um, my other option that I always thought, maybe could you slide Norzan? I know he's been great at yep. center, but do you slide him back to guard? If I you think can, there's a, there's a couple different options there. Yeah, if, if you if something would happen to Vega, I definitely think you could slide Norzad out to guard. And then put mm-hmm. Nick Dawkins at the center position. You you have you have walk on Addison Penn as well, who started mm-hmm. some games at Duke as a center as well. So I mean, there's some options at center if you had to move Norzad to guard, which uh, depending on how they feel, I think is would be a possibility if there was another injury, whether that be to Vega or Sal Warmly. Yeah, definitely not an ideal situation, but Vega is a pretty good backup, so I don't think we'll be uh, too worried there. Um, other injuries, we saw Katrine Allen get pretty banged up in the uh, yeah. in the game. He actually had to walk off and walk to the locker room at one point. Uh, I don't believe – no, he didn't come back. Uh, no. But he was in practice yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a big one uh, in the fact that Katrine was able to practice yesterday after not playing mm-hmm. uh, in that second half against uh, Northwestern. We'll see what Penn State does. Do they bring him back slowly? Does he play against UMass next week? They don't need him to play to win that game. I think you could play Trey Potts or the two the two true freshmen and probably win that game and have a good mm-hmm. run game. But at the same time, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, you'd love to see those two get it going on the ground, get those explosive mm-hmm. plays because Penn State doesn't need just to get those explosive plays through the air. They need to get them on the ground as well. We haven't seen that this year at all. Yet, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Allen, but he was practicing on Wednesday. Uh, a full participant, uh, it looked like, during our during the media's time. Awesome. And then last but not least, Harrison Trey Wallace. Uh, just looking at him, it sound, sounds like he's back too. I know he hasn't played since uh, Delaware. He's been on the injury report each week. Is questionable. Yeah, and he did appear briefly during Iowa, but didn't make any noticeable okay. impact. But, yeah, so. obviously he, he didn't play against Northwestern. He didn't play against Illinois. Briefly mm-hmm. played, I believe, against Iowa, like I said. I'm not sure the stamp count mm-hmm. off the top of my head, but it wasn't much. Uh, yeah, he was practicing Wednesday as well. Looked good. Looked, you know, to be moving well, which uh, if they can get him back for that Ohio State game, that would be big mm-hmm. for the Nitty Lions. So he's a big part of that wide receiver room. And the passing game has just not been the same without him the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. I know just looking through some of the clips that we have from practice, um, it's clear that yeah. the offense was was the big major factor this week. They want to, sure. like you said, the explosive plays over and over again. It's the, the lack thereof, I guess, at this point. Yep. Uh, a couple drops from the tight end group, it looked like, um, which is never a good sign. Tyler Warren did hole in a couple. Um, Jerry Cross actually broke the defender's ankles on this one. I'm, I might have to post this one on Twitter, actually. Um, but then he dropped it. So it's – it's uh, a lot of question marks around that tight end room. What, what are your overall thoughts there since it seems like Tyler Warren's probably leading the group so far this season? Yeah, I would say it's safe to say that Tyler Warren is probably leading that room this season. He's kind of been the best all-around tight end. Theo Johnson mm-hmm. still, I think, has the best upside of their three main tight ends. But um, 
Mm-hmm. So I, I blanked on your original question in the uh, you were asking. So what was that original question? Sorry. Uh, just just basically the offense. We were talking about the explosive yeah. plays and all that stuff. And do, do you think they need to get them more involved? Or Theo yeah. specifically, who yeah. was coming into the year as like tight end one, sure. and now he's like doing nothing almost? He's a good blocker. Don't get me wrong, but. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think getting the tight ends more involved would only be helpful for Penn State. This is one of the best tight end rooms in the country. They haven't been able to use them to the advantage that they have used them in the year, the last few years. And I think we're kind of seeing that in the passing attack. Not that the passing attack or the offense in general has been bad. I mean, this offense is one of the best in the country despite the lack of explosive plays. They're still averaging 40 mm-hmm. points per game. They've scored 30-plus points in, what, 12 or 13 straight games now. This is yeah. still a very good offense, but if you can unlock that tight end room in the passing game, this offense has a chance to be even all the more better. And I think getting them involved mm-hmm. more is a big part of that. Tyler Warren has definitely been kind of their go-to guy so far this season. Uh, but I think Theo Johnson still has the highest upside. I think once he gets going, kind of like what we saw last year towards the tail end of it, once he gets going, he's hard to stop, and he adds a whole nother dynamic mm-hmm. to this offense. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a – bigger focus on the tight ends in the upcoming weeks. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was going to ask you, do you, do you think there's any chance? I know they were super hyped up out of high school. The, the true freshmen are going to make an impact at all this year, or is it just kind of it's too far down the depth and there is too much depth? Yeah, I I, I was under the belief that Andrew Rapplier was going to be somebody who maybe uh, we could see get on the mm-hmm. field as a true freshman. That hasn't happened yet. I'm not sure unless barring injury that – it will happen this year um, just because mm-hmm. that depth. I mean, Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson, both starting level tight ends, both guys who could go on to the NFL, have some nice careers. Khalil Dinkins has himself emerged as a quality tight end in that room. And uh, then you have Jerry mm-hmm. Cross, who hasn't had a big impact, but the coaching staff still likes quite a bit. So at this point, I'd say probably won't see uh, those two freshman tight ends unless uh, the mini line suffers some injuries at the position. Gotcha. And some other notes this week. We got to talk about the coordinators for the first time since yes. preseason, I guess, yep. spring camp so, even. Since, like, I don't uh, even know when. No, since, it's summer. Yeah, right. Since media day, yep. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, right before the, the season started, we got to talk to Mike Yursich and uh, Manny Diaz. Before I get to the Manny Diaz stuff, which I'm sure everyone's very eager to hear about, um, just talk recap Mike Yursich kind of a day. I know he talked a lot about Alar and said Alar could do some better things. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely, you know, I, he was very complimentary of Drew, but also pointed out that there's a, there's quite a bit of stuff for Drew to still work on in his game, which you would not, I mean, which you would expect. He is a, a true sophomore quarterback who has started five games in his career for Penn State thus far. There's been a lot of pauses and there's been a lot of things where you can point to and be like, that is an area of work. That's an area of need for him to work on during the bye week and going forward because if Penn State is going to mm-hmm. beat the likes of Ohio State Michigan, uh, they're going to need Drew to be clicking on all cylinders. He has shown a lot of promise these first five games, but there are definitely areas in which he will need to improve uh, going forward here uh, to maximize Penn State's opportunities offensively, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to you know the deep ball, uh, reading some of these advanced looks, so on and so forth. Uh, he, again, mm-hmm. he was—he's been very complimentary to Drew, saying that he's been patient. He's doing a good job of taking what the defense has been giving him. But in no way are the Nittany Lions, you know, satisfied with what they've done so far, uh, individually or as a whole, offensively. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think the biggest 
key for Drew and the offensive whole going forward. Something that he discussed was just that um, the wide receivers and Drew are not always in sync this season. They're struggling mm-hmm. to be in sync at times, especially uh, on the deeper throws. And that's going to be something that he, he Drew absolutely has to work on. That's not just a wide receiver thing. That's also Drew thing. That's probably the big one that uh, Yersich noted going into the bye week. Mm-hmm. Then we'll talk about Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz talked about Zane Durant quite a bit, hyped him up a little bit. Um, said he had that dog in him. And, of course, everyone loves uh, loves hearing that statement from any any player on the team, let alone defensive line. But uh, Zane Durant, shout out to him. He'll also be on the state media, one of their podcasts later this week, yep. I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely yep. keep an eye out. Yeah, and be sure, uh, Penn State fans, go check over check out all that content over at state media. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they're, they're doing some really uh, – Cool stuff over there. Yeah, a hundred percent. So definitely check them out. Check out their uh, their podcasts. So several former players. I know I was watching one today. Uh, I think it was Trace McSorley talking about the wide receivers. Uh, Chris, no, not Christian Blue. Christian Blue though is starting this week. So yeah, he's we'll get to that in a second. Next week. Uh, yeah, yeah, he is. But um, yeah, I meant Christian Hackenberg. It's too many Christians um, at quarterback. But uh, anyway, um, last but not least, Manny Diaz, Ohio State comments. Um, just what are your thoughts? I thought it was stupid personally. I think Ohio State is over or fans at least are just overlooking this and like they're trying to make it trash talk, but it's not really trash yeah. talk. No, I, I percent agree. Like what, what what are we actually doing here? I mean, all <laughs> he really said was that uh, he has his thoughts about Ohio State and how they're going to, you know, how they're basically going to play them uh, early or early thoughts on how they could play them. But like mm-hmm. there's no chance that Manny Diaz is going to, you know, give anything away about his thoughts on Ohio State, whether it's weaknesses or strengths. I mean, Ohio State knows those, but there's no reason to give any in-depth answer on your biggest test of the season in two weeks. I mean, I think Ohio State fans are just looking for bulletin board material. I mean, they probably somewhat feel disrespected that, you know, they're only, what, fourth in the country, third in the country after all this. Yeah. But um, and I, I think Ohio State fans are – uh, kind of hearing, you know, the the footsteps per se about how there's a lot of people out there questioning their offense uh, so far mm-hmm. this season, and you know yeah. that offense is going to be tested against arguably the best defense in the entire country at Penn State in two weeks. So mm-hmm. uh, I see, not, I really don't see anything big to take away from what Manny Diaz said. I, I get a, what Ohio State fans are trying to do. I get what. <laughs> some beat writers are trying to do, but there, there is nothing to read into those comments about. And Diaz was just, you know, given a coach's answer. Agreed. Um, now that to that aspect, I want to kind of not agree, but disagree with you. I do agree that I think there's nothing in that response, Sure. but I, I do want to throw out the fact that like, if, if you're Manny Diaz, I feel like if you get an Austin Ohio state question, what one, two, three weeks before, technically a little less than three weeks at this point, I think you just, you say, Nope, we're focused on UMass and just end it there. Don't, don't give them anything. Cause obviously yeah. they take anything and every little sentence out of context, or at least yeah. the fan base does. It seems like. And, and, you know, uh, we're the media, but I mean, there's a lot of media members who take those type of things out of context all the time. That's why, you know, on national television, we have four or five morning uh, talk shows that just take quotes out of context and make whole two hour shows <laughs> out of them. So, I mean, I, yeah. I absolutely agree with you on that point as well. It would have been the very James Franklin answer would have been to say we're focused on UMass 
Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I generally just don't think there's really anything that, that he was, he, he wasn't trying to diss Ohio State or anything. I mean, no. he was, he was simply just keeping his thoughts to himself. I do have to say though that fan base is is something else. Four hundred something thousand views on that one, and I'm like, oh geez, man, like is that really that serious? Over two sentences that he didn't even say anything about, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, they they do tend to overreact quite a bit, and God forbid you uh, use the Buckeye name in vain. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So definitely an interesting one, but uh, I guess that's really it's kind of a shorter one today. Any uh, any other final thoughts? I know we oh. just said the Christian Valu thing, so that'd be interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, for those that didn't know, Christian Valu uh, is going to be the Bayou. starting. Sounds like he's going to be the starting quarterback for the uh, Pitt Panthers next week when they face uh, Boston College, which uh, is, is a little bit funny since Phil Jerkovich, who was Pitt's starting quarterback this year, uh, transferred mm-hmm. to Pitt from Boston College, so that would have been a cool. Oh, cool. That would have been a, a revenge story there. But, yeah, after a couple poor performances out of Phil, it looks like Christian's going to get the start for Pitt next week against Boston College, which uh, I, I made a comment on Twitter saying I'm sure Penn State fans will have a field day with Christian uh, starting for Pitt next week. And uh, I, I feel like some people kind of took that also out of context. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk, you know, shit on Christian. Christian's a great kid, uh, mm-hmm. a very good quarterback in his own right uh it's more so i'm sure penn state fans are going to enjoy that uh pat narduzzi had to bench his you know star transfer just two years ago for uh, a penn state transfer um i i know narduzzi doesn't care about that narduzzi only cares about winning but i'm sure mm-hmm. there are penn state cor- uh, fans out there who are going to get a nice chuckle out of uh, the penn state quarterback transfer having to come save the day for a uh, pit <laughs> Yeah, and we'll see. We'll see how he does. I know the last Penn State transfer obviously did pretty well, although he's not doing much of anything in the NFL, which I think we all kind of predicted a little bit. But besides the point, um, so if you are bored, Pittsburgh does play at six thirty. Gross. What the hell? Um, six thirty on Saturday against number twenty-five Louisville. It's at Pitt. Sounds like Christian Veyu is yep. going to be the starter. So keep an eye on that if you're bored and you want to watch something Penn State related. If not, just watch the Big Ten. Um, also, I mean, maybe don't watch the Big Ten. You don't have to put yourself through that again. But maybe Ohio State, uh, big game this week against um, – I want to point out they're playing Maryland this week, correct? Uh, yeah, Ohio State, Maryland this week. Ohio State's a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. A little much for my liking. I, I think uh, I think there's still questions about this Maryland team in the trenches, but I, I think that offense can score on a lot of defenses. And – we just don't know what this Ohio State offense is. If this gets into a shootout, I mean, I'm sure Ohio State can put up, you know, still put up 40, 50 points with ease. But mm-hmm. it's just one of those things, like, we haven't really seen this Ohio State offense click on multiple weeks uh, just yet. They had one big game, and that was against uh, Western Kentucky. Yeah, so we'll see what they can do uh, this weekend because I, I do think they'll give them a run for their money. I'm not sure how much of a run that will be, but what would you say, 25 and a half? 20 and a half as well. Uh, so. 20 and a half. That, that's a lot. That's a lot of points. I don't I don't like that at all whatsoever. Both teams are undefeated. But, um, yeah, so that's going to be an interesting one at noon. Like I said before, there's an interesting game in Pitt uh, Saturday night at 630 for, with Penn State it, relations, I guess, if you want to call it that. I don't really know. It's a bye week. There's not really much um, to do on a bye week other than watch college football on Saturday. So 
Uh, other than that, I think that's really all we got. Is there anything new recruiting going on before we sign off? Uh, new on the recruiting trail, I, I'm. That's good. That's not, a good question. Not, it's been, it's been really. pretty quiet the last since the uh, commitments there. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's been pretty quiet. Penn State, you know, still trying to flip some twenty twenty four guys. They're going. They're on. They're out visiting recruits today, and they'll be out watching recruits tomorrow as well. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, not nothing really new that we can share publicly, but always be sure to subscribe over at uh, Happy Valley Insider, PennStateRivals dot com to a. Uh, get all the latest recruiting information over there as well yeah um definitely keep an eye out for that i'm sure we'll have more we'll probably have some nit beats piece coming up um, i'm working on some kind of 2025 recruiting class piece uh you guys will be probably pretty cool and pretty interested in that one um other than that i feel like the jalen harvey's probably the only one to keep an eye on at least for this month in general yeah it does seem like uh he might commit this month right yeah this may finally be the month for jalen harvey so that that will be one to watch about time <laughs> going forward we'll see if it actually happens but penn state got the last visit uh last um uh for the whiteout so we'll see what happens going forward and we'll see if he makes any trips to maryland this week i'm sure they'll try to get mm-hmm. him on campus probably this weekend for that host that host state game is in maryland correct um uh yes yes uh so well, actually i don't know that's a good question uh i'm not really sure on that one but uh, i do sure. know that I do know after getting a text from uh, it's at Ohio State. At Ohio State, it's so. at Ohio State. Uh, that's going to be from tougher. That's probably why it's a twenty-point spread. But uh, yeah, going back to um, where Franklin will be this weekend, I got a text saying he will be. He was actually down in Florida, or someone was down in Florida, and offered offered a twenty twenty-five kid today. Um, other than that, he'll plan on checking on some of the commitments. Um, I'll have specific names on that shortly, or we'll have it in the nitbits, or even mm-hmm. on the message board, the Lions Den. So keep an eye out for that. Um. Yeah, so I mean, I, I would probably keep an eye out for more new offers more than anything because I don't think they're really going to go much deeper into 2024. I'd say 2024 is done for the most part, minus, like you said, a flip or two at wide receiver maybe, and then Ernest Willer yep. potentially. I know they hosted a pit commit the last week in Cameron Lindsay, and people were all intrigued about that, but it sounds like he's a little bit of a back burner guy still too. Um, who else did they host? They hosted um, – who's the kid that's committed to West Virginia? The St. Joe's prep wide receiver. Ray uh, Raymond? Ray, Raymond? Yeah, Raymond. Yep, yep, Raymond. He, I was told he's really not a name to keep an eye on either. It's more so he visited with his team, uh, St. Joe's Prep, who, I mean, anytime they want to come to campus, you, can, you just say, here, here's your tickets, here's your sideline yep. pass, whatever you want. Like, it's yours. Um, I'd like to see them get more involved with St. Joe's Prep. I know it's tough because, number one, half those kids aren't from Pennsylvania, but it's just kind of recruiting at this point. Um and number two, like it's it's just tough to get in. Once you get involved with them, I think they'll get better uh, recruiting ties and recruiting like a pipeline almost type thing going. But for now, it seems like uh, a whole lot of nothing at St. Joe's Prep, which kind of sucks. Yeah, it's 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 real quiet. But of course, you know Penn State, uh, the big dog over at St. Joe's Prep right now. I think for Penn State, is fair to say uh, at St. Joe's Prep for Penn State is obviously obviously Anthony mm-hmm. Saka in the twenty twenty five recruiting class. Oh, of course, he's the crown jewel. So. As long as they can, uh, you know, if they can get him, every all the misses are uh, I mean, a little bit less. Yeah, I know everyone's talked about it, and well, hell, everyone on our board—that's all they talk about right now. Um, but I, I want to get your thoughts on this, and tell me if I'm wrong. Anthony Saka, I know Penn State 
connections, blah, 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 legacy recruit, yada, yada, yada. But that, let's be honest. Is he is he really going to end up at Penn State? Because he hasn't visited in a while, and it looks like Notre Dame's making a push. He was out there last weekend or the weekend before or whatever it was, taking other visits. Sounds like Ohio State's in the mix. I, am, am I wrong to think that he won't end up at Penn State? Uh, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he's going to end up at Penn State. I think Penn State has a, a good chance to land him, but it, they're going to have to – beat out Ohio State and Notre Dame especially to land him. And th- those are two very tough schools to beat out for a prospect like uh, Anthony Saka. I mean, the the legacy definitely does help, but legacy doesn't always uh, result in commitments. And Notre Dame and Ohio State are two schools that are always, you know, a pain in the ass for Penn State to recruit against. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be, you know, a pain in the ass for them to recruit uh, against for Saka and other pro- – a bunch of prospects going forward. So I would definitely say it's, it's not a slam dunk by any means, uh, but I, I still do think they have a solid chance. They just ha- they do have to get him back on campus. But he, I've always gotten the sense he's going to be a kid who uh, takes his time, uh, you know, mm-hmm. gets around and sees every, everywhere. He's been to Penn State three or four times now, if I remember correctly. It has yeah. been a while since his last time. But as a Penn State legacy, uh, this is a kid who, you know, he everything he needs to know about Penn State he already knows about. Mm-hmm. Is there any extra added besides just getting him on campus? Is there any extra value from his aspect? I guess you could say to get in on campus routinely. Mm-hmm. That's I guess the one thing that's up for debate. Up for debate, but uh, yeah. I mean, if he Ozzy, if he does get on campus anytime in the next few months, going into the off season, January, March, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's a little bit of a concern, but I, I think as of right now, Penn State fans shouldn't be, you know, overly concerned. But yeah, like I said, no, by no means is this going to be a slam dunk recruitment. Uh, and last and but not least, final note I actually just got from our Midwest analyst, uh, Quint Cosgrove. He just said he talked to Ryan Montgomery, 2025 quarterback Ryan Montgomery, brother Luke Montgomery, Ohio State commit, yada yada yada. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State has a quarterback though commit in 2025, so yeah. it sounds like Penn State's going to make a make a push here. St. Clair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Montgomery is definitely a quarterback to watch in 2025, along with Malik Washington, who we've talked about a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Washington is is going to be an interesting recruitment. You know, Penn State we hear a lot about early on, but it reminds me a lot of um, Michael Van Buren in the 2024 recruiting cycle. We heard a lot about Van Buren early on in that recruitment as well. Sorry, we heard a lot about Penn State in Van Buren's recruitment early on as well. And of course, he ended mm-hmm. up committing to Oregon. So if, if Washington would end up going elsewhere, I definitely would, you know, target uh, Moriah Montgomery as one of those guys who could be the quarterback for Penn State in the 2024 recruiting cycle. And the, mm-hmm. bi- the big note here, the, the caveat is uh, who does uh, Ryan Montgomery work with? Brad Mandelar, who does Brad Mandelar work with? Drew. Drew Lahr, and um, Ethan Grunkmeyer. Ethan Grunkmeyer. So that, so, that yeah. is something to watch. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll see what happens to Montgomery. He's a guy who, you know, has visits to South Carolina, Auburn coming up, but definitely mm-hmm. think Penn State will have a chance in that recruitment as well. Yeah, I'm also told he will be at Penn State on November. Which one's the November 11th for Michigan? November, yeah, November 11th. 11th for the Michigan game. 
So he'll be on campus for that. Um, Penn State will be there later this week, as will Auburn and South Carolina. So definitely keep an eye out on that. We'll probably have some more scoop uh, on Montgomery later in the week. And, uh, well, it's already Thursday. So we'll probably on the weekend, I would say. Yeah. Um, I, I will say with Montgomery, you look at the other schools that he's visited a lot in his recruitment. And obviously visits mm -hmm. are not always, you know, it, most visits do not always equal commitment. Uh, Penn State fans know that well. But um, – Ohio State, he's been to a ton. They have a quarterback commitment. Michigan will be interesting if they would miss on Bryce Underwood, but right now I would say Bryce Underwood is Michigan's the favorite to land, Bryce Underwood. Um, mm -hmm. Kentucky has a 2025 quarterback commitment in Stone Saunders already. Um, yeah. And the only other school that he's visited, the only two other schools he's visited multiple times uh, is Clemson and Georgia. Doesn't have an offer from Clemson yet. And Georgia, uh, Georgia could always be a factor, uh, but uh, we'll see what happens with them. They obviously, obviously are targeting target of quite a few quarterbacks in that class. But um, mm -hmm. the way other recruitments are breaking down for Penn, the way other recruitments are going are playing in Penn State's favor with Montgomery mm -hmm. if they do choose to push that way. Yeah, of course. So I guess that's really all we have to talk about. I know uh, schedule should be released uh, any minute now. So, all right. And the Big Ten schedule just got released for 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027, and 2028. I, Great time. Great time. Yeah, I'm just going to say big mistake there because um, that conference realignment stuff is not going to stop. And it's going to get scrapped again and all this yep. work for nothing, it seems like. But. We do have um, the schedule out for the Big Ten home and away games for Penn State over the next couple of years. And we, we kind of have uh, Penn State's entire schedule for the most part, not dates technically, yep. but we do have their schedule for out-of-conference stuff. Um, looking at the out-of-conference things, uh, I don't see any, any of them being the whiteout. So I'm, I'm just going to go with it one year by year, and you're going to pick the whiteout game. So let's, sure. let's just start with it. 2024. Uh, West Virginia, Bowling Green, Kent State, safe assumption. No, no. And um, look at that. No. Um, <laughs> oh, no, man. Bowling Green, That's they just beat Georgia Tech. They did. And they did take Michigan uh, to what was it, 7-10 and a half? Yeah. Something like that, 7-14. I forget what it was. But, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe the Falcons are the whiteout, but probably not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, probably not. Probably not. So among those five Big Ten home games for Penn State in 2024, who are we looking at? out of Illinois, Maryland, Ohio State, UCLA, and Washington. I know I keep cutting you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Um, I'm bringing up the list here just because I'm going to forget it. Uh, so give me one second here. No, 2024. No, All right. So Illinois, Maryland, Ohio State, UCLA, Washington. It's a tough one. Uh, it is a tough one because Ohio State, you know, you see Ohio State on the schedule as a home game. You got to think that is the whiteout. Ideal. But it's Fox. It's Big Noon. Saturdays, gonna have to go that. This one being a uh, a uh, noon kick. So give me, let's go Washington. Oh man, this is tough because I don't know. Yeah, give me Washington. Let's go Washington. Okay. I think I think that that screams like an NBC seven thirty kickoff. Yeah, I, I mean, ideally you do it at uh, at night. Number one, um, number yeah. two. Um, I just don't know how, how good Washington's going to be next year without Michael Penix. That's the big question mark. Yeah. If you get them uh, early enough, I guess they're still ranked probably, and it's like, eh. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the hard part. I, depending on how it breaks out, I, I would say Washington or Ohio State, but uh, give me Washington just because new, new, new blood in for okay. the wide up. 
That'd be interesting. That'd be an interesting one. Purple, purple clashing off that all white out too would be kind of cool. Yeah, so. it would be very cool. Um, next year, uh, we're looking at Nevada, Villanova. Um, no. Yeah. Um, um, just, yeah, no. Yeah. No <laughs> um, chance. Home, home games are tough. I feel like there's only really one option here, and it's between Indiana, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Oregon. I just... I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but there's one that screams white out compared to the others. Uh, yeah, it's it has to be Oregon. I can't see them unless mm-hmm. Nebraska suddenly turns it around very fast under Matt Rule. I can't see it being them. Indiana won't be good. Northwestern won't be good. It has to be Oregon. That's yeah, a, that's, that's an easy one. That's a that's a simple one. But then we go to 2026. Uh, Marshall Temple's away, so don't even count that one. Or San Jose State. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, San Jose yeah. State, you never know. <laughs> the Spartans, man. Gotta watch yeah, them. That's, yeah, that's, you never know. Um, 2026 the schedule for Big Ten is Minnesota, Purdue, Rutgers, USC, and Wisconsin. So, yeah, again, not uh, a great one. No, yeah, I, I think you. it comes down to if the schedule breaks right, USC or Wisconsin here. But I think you have to welcome the Trojans in the Happy Valley with a uh, with a night kick there in the whiteout. Yeah, that would probably make the most sense just looking at it. Uh, moving on to 2027, um, Syracuse, Delaware, Temple. I guess you can make an argument for one, but no? Yeah, yeah, I would not. Unless Syracuse is a uh, top 15 team in the country suddenly in a couple of years, I don't think it'll yeah. be any of those. That's true, uh, which I, I, again, oh, no, they, they're having a good year. You know what? I'm going to take it back. They're having a decent they year. They had a good so. year last year, too, and then they uh, fell on their face. So Yeah, that's we'll see true. What we'll um, see what happens the next few weeks. The fact that that game's on September 4th kind of tells me, though, it's most likely not happening. So we'll just strike move on. Yeah, move on to the Big Ten uh, schedule. It's Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, and Washington at home. It, that's a tough one. You know what? That's a tough one. It's a tough one, but give me the Wolverines and that one uh, to be the whiteout. Washington got, by our guesses, Washington could be the whiteout in 2024. Mm-hmm. Michigan, it'll be their first trip to Happy Valley since last year. No, since this year, 2023. Uh, yeah, this year. Yeah. So it'll be a four or five year gap in between. So give me Michigan uh, coming back to Happy Valley in the whiteout. Yeah, I think that's fair. And then capping it off with 2028, uh, so far there's only two games on the schedule, and it's Ball State and Syracuse. Um, is this updated? I don't know if this is updated. I think it's updated. Um, Ball State is the home one. Syracuse is away. That's I right. just don't see Ball State happening. Um, so then we'll go to the Big Ten schedule. It's Indiana, Iowa, Ohio State, Oregon, UCLA. It's probably the toughest one out of the this, whole group. This is their best home schedule of the new schedules. Uh, I mean, there are four legitimate, really good teams there. Iowa, mm-hmm. will Kirk Ferentz still be coaching at Iowa? I have to assume not. Um, Ohio True. State, what, what would the Buckeyes be like in five years from now? Um, Oregon and UCLA, give me Oregon. Uh, it's a tough one. <laughs> actually, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about 2024. Mm-hmm. What happens with Ohio State and Washington? Wh- who, which one is the big new kickoff? Uh, give me... I, I, I just don't see or I, I don't see Oregon getting a big noon kickoff. I think they'll try to avoid those games for noon kicks. Just mm-hmm. maximize view, maximize viewership on the West Coast. So I can see Oregon being a three thirty or night kick. Ohio State big noon kickoffs are seem very much a lock for that. So mm-hmm. 
I'll lean Oregon because if, if you get them late in the season, you could still do kind of a night kickoff type thing. All right, so just to go through it one more time, uh, 2024, we had Washington, I believe. Yep. Or we have Ohio State. Yeah, Washington. Washington. Big so Washington, 2024, 2025 was Oregon. 2026 was USC. Did we say USC? Yeah, yeah yes, yes. 20, 2027 was Michigan, and 2028, we're capping it off with Oregon. Yes, correct. All right, well, there, there's your five and, uh, potential whiteout games. And and I guess we should briefly mention the away games for uh, these. Uh, oh, yeah. These course, five. Yeah. And I, I, I'll go, I can go through them. You, you've been talking yeah. a ton lately. Uh, no, 2024. <laughs> you're good. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, 2024, Nanny Lions at the Minnesota Purdue. Uh, a trip to USC, so save your money, everybody, for a trip to Los Angeles. Perhaps it'll Again. be Penn State's <laughs> second trip in less than a year. Perhaps their third in two years. Uh, if if the the Rose Bowl is a college football <laughs> playoff semifinal uh, this See year, we did there. <laughs> uh, perhaps that will be so. Uh, but obviously, USC is the headliner of uh, maybe the schedule as a whole next year. Um, but big. Away game there with Minnesota, Purdue, and Wisconsin. Uh, 2025, five away games, Iowa, Michigan State, Ohio State, Rutgers, UCLA. Uh, so back-to-back trips to Los Angeles, uh, back-to-back years. 2026, Maryland, Michigan, Northwestern, and Washington, uh, which is a pretty nice away schedule for Penn State there. 2027, Illinois, Indiana, Oregon, Purdue, Wisconsin. And then 2027, Michigan State, Nebraska, Rutgers, and USC. Um, so, I mean, you get, you're going to West Coast at least once per year, but uh, overall there's not a tough, not an overly tough away schedule outside 2025 where you are going to have to face Iowa, Ohio State, UCLA, and whatever Michigan State chooses to be come 2025. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting schedule. But, uh, yeah, so we got our whiteout games, and we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, you guys have any other different predictions? Submit them below. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are, especially on next year's whiteout, because I think Maryland's good, Ohio State's good, UCLA's pretty decent, Washington's a top, top what, 10? Top, yeah, I think they're definitely top 10 right now. Um, so that's going to be interesting one to watch. So I'm curious what that's going to look like for next year. But uh, the years going forward, it's, it's honestly a true, true guessing game. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if these change again. Like you said, there's a good chance they probably do by the time of course. you know 2025, 2026, 27, 28 roll around. But we'll see. Have more on that on the website. So check us out at PennState.Rivals.com, HappyValleyInsider.com. If you're on social media, give us a follow on uh, Twitter, Instagram, hell TikTok uh, at Penn State Rivals. Um, other than that, uh, oh yeah. Also give us a subscribe button down below. It's free. It's on YouTube. Check us out on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube, just hit the button down below and give us a rate and a follow on here as well. It definitely helps us uh, promote this and get more Penn state content out there. So, uh, for me and Dylan, that's another episode of the good morning, happy Valley podcast signing off. <laughs>